Blog Talk Radio. Mr. Pop. The views and opinions of this show do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of this network and its affiliates. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Combat Sports Show with Brian and Jason. Jason, how you doing, buddy? What's cracking, brother? Been a while. We've been off the air for quite a few weeks now, maybe maybe a month, and uh, we're back. We took some time off. It's winter time. Uh, be with our families, whatnot. Uh, we had some stuff going on, so now we're back. Tons of MMA as always. Tons of boxing. Plus, we got the Winter Olympics going on, so a ton to talk about tonight. Jason, what was your favorite event over the weekend? Was it Bellator, was it UFC, or was it the Olympics? Honestly, it was the Daytona 500. This is the Super Bowl of stock car racing. NASCAR. Yeah? Not like, you know, it's not like every other sport where, you know, you got the World Series, you got the Super Bowl, you've got, you know, all the big name, you know, the big games at the end of the season. No, NASCAR does it backwards. They start the year off at the Daytona 500. This is the okay. biggest race of the year. Race number one, but it's the biggest race of the year. Now, unfortunately, and how I didn't get the last 40 minutes of it because I lost power for about three to four hours. So You lost power in the middle of the biggest race of the year? I, I, I could not see the most exciting portion of it, which was about – 50 laps to go out of 200. That's when every, you know, in stock cars, and that's when everything starts to ramp up. Yeah. Everyone starts to get speedy and, you know, just, it's racing, you know, it is what it is. But, yeah. So who did you, able, uh, who did you want to win? Well, since my, since the driver I've been rooting for, since I got, since I was introduced to the sport back in 2000, well, the guy I started rooting for ended up dying in this race back in 2001, which was Dale Earnhardt Sr. Mm-hmm. He died at the, he, he, he died during the race. Okay. He went head up with the wall doing 200 miles an hour and broke his neck. So I ended up following his son, which is Dale Earnhardt Jr. Now, he retired at the end of last year. So yeah. the driver I'm rooting for now, he drives the number 78 car. Uh, sponsored by Bass Pro Shops, uh, Martin Truex Jr. He ended up finishing like 17th. But what was cool oh, is the, the driver that won um, is driving the number three car for Richard Childress Racing, which was Dale Earnhardt Sr.'s number when he when he oh. was alive. And yeah. it's been over 20 years since that car has been to victory lane. Oh, wow. Well, since he won the day on the five Yeah. So it was kind of like a tribute to a legend. Since he, since yeah. he won the race, it kind of turned into a tribute to the legend. And that's to every, you know, that's the driver of the car. Oh, God, um, Austin Dillon, who won the race, um, kind of just threw it as a tribute to the, uh, to the late and great Dale Earnhardt Sr., which was, which was cool. You know, then there was a lot of other different headlines in it. The guy that finished second was the first um, African-American to actually have a full ride in NASCAR. 
and he's the first African African American to finish this high in a NASCAR race. Nice. I mean, as well as we all know, stock car racing is is kind of like hockey in a way. It's a major. It's a it's majority white people, but yeah. now they're starting to introduce. They do have some Hispanics that are racing. Uh, they do have some African Americans that are racing. And now females are they're getting introduced into the sport, which, you know, as well as I do, that we talk a lot about women's MMA, so that kind of falls right in. So, yeah, women are starting to, you know, go 200 miles an hour in a damn stock car, which I think is nice. really cool. But which made well, me mad that cool. I lost that's powers cool. because I, couldn't, I could not watch the UFC fight last night. <laughs> you know what? It was a good event. I thought, <clears throat> now, I started watching it on the prelims, I didn't watch the fight pass shows, even though I have fight pass, I didn't watch those, the, the fighter fight, two fights on fight pass. But I started watching it and I was immediately pissed off. They had Sarah Marias versus Lucia Padlova. And the fucking referee, Sarah took her down. She, she clobbered her pretty good in the first round, caught her kind of off guard, didn't rock her, but caught her really good with a right, and then took Lucy down <clears throat> and was ground and pounding, trying to pass, doing a very, very good job on top. Lucy had a really good guard, though. She wasn't letting Sarah get past it, but she wasn't getting out of it. And Sarah was hitting her and, and moving. And I swear to God, Jason, she stopped for not even two seconds at one point to move back into – she got put back in guard, and the fucking referee stood him up. For no reason, even Jimmy Smith, nobody understood that stand-up. It was a, one of the worst stand-ups I've ever seen. And because there was action, trying one she was trying to advance, and two she was still raining down blows, elbows and fists, and got stood up. And from there, she got hit pretty hard, went to her back, and then threw up like four or five submissions in that round. I thought she still won the round. We'll talk about the whole fight, but I was really, really disappointed from there on. I thought that referee did a piss-poor job. Um, it was a good event, but I thought Bellator was a little better. So, well, then let's dive into a little bit of Bellator then. Yeah, definitely. You uh, you watched Bellator as well as I did. Now, yep. we only watched the main card think... because <clears> – <throat> what's that? I, I didn't really catch the very first fight off the main card. I didn't watch any of the prelims. Um so let's just kind of cover the main card here. Now, I didn't catch the first fight. I didn't – well, I did, but I didn't catch it until, you know, as the fight was just getting over. That was that Taiwan Well, it's not much Claxton. to catch. Taiwan yeah, Claxton there wasn't much to catch. Versus Jose Perez. Yeah. yeah, Claxton did basically anything he wanted to do, and Perez laid there and took it. That was basically all that happened. The, the announcers didn't even know what to say. They're all – they said, well, you know, Jose's doing real good at not getting hit that much, but he's not doing anything else. Uh, Chael Sonnen would say he couldn't – he didn't know what else to say. He's not doing any offense. He's doing zero offense and, and trying to focus on defense just was stupid. You know, you got to try and hit the guy. You're not going to win by not getting hit. So, well, that so, was the tale of that fight. Now, this next fight. Yes. I thought was a very good fight. Uh, for, that was a terrific It ended in, you know, it ended in round three. Yes. Um, 
on an injury, and the fight I'm talking about is Vadim uh, Nemkov versus Liam McGeary. Uh, now, yeah, that's I, not even an injury. Uh, that's a TKO. He got a TKO. Well, yeah, it's a TKO, but they say TKO due to injury. Yeah. Yeah, tell, the, tell us about the fight. Tell us what happened in that fight. Well, I thought it was a great fight going up until that. I mean, now, McGarry just kept getting lit up by leg kick after leg kick after leg kick. But he was holding his own, fought a very good fight until that third round and he just could not go anymore. I mean, he virtually almost collapsed. I mean, that leg just got thrashed. <laughs> yeah, dude. And did you see, and the re- you know and then, what, going into that fight, I was, um, go, you know, going into a lot of MMA, you and I talked beforehand and during and after, and we didn't talk beforehand, but going into that fight, I looked at Nemkov, I'm like, wow, dude, that dude is stacked, and I, I I'm not saying I thought he was going to win, because I know McGeary, and I thought, well, McGeary, he'll probably be able to handle him, but this is going to be tough. And once Nemkov started going to that leg, I was like, holy crap. I think by mid-round two, you could tell. Yeah. This is probably it not going to end well. well. Now, yeah. I know they don't hit with a lot of power, you know, when they're doing those leg kicks. I mean, some of them do. But it's just that, that, that reputation of just getting popped in the same spot round after round after round. That's, he did exactly what he should have done, and he took his legs out. You can't fight. No, Vadim was kicking up. him hard. Did you see the end where they showed Vadim the top of his feet? Were, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Vadim has a broken foot. Um, one, I, at least. Both of his feet were swollen up to hell. Well, I know. But, I mean, a lot of times, you, you, you know, they do these leg kicks. And they're not hitting you that hard, but you just get, keep getting hit in the same area time after time after mm-hmm. time takes a toll on you. Now, you're right. Uh, Nemkov was, he was actually putting a lot of power behind it. And, and McGre- eventually, McGre- he never changed stances or blocked him. I mean, he blocked a little bit, but he didn't really try and stop it. No, but, I mean, that guy ate and the ref said, no, you ain't going no more. Um, <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, he couldn't even stand up. No, that was him giving up right there. He he gave up. I mean, what? No, well, and that's I no mean, that's no put down on him. He couldn't stand up. No, I mean, that was it. That was, fight was over. Yeah, I mean you can't you can't fight on one leg. No. I mean now if you're like a high school, you know if you're if you're actual wrestling, you might be able to wrestle with one leg shot. But now trying to do this type of combat sports now. Mm. No. Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't actually know I, what kind of sport you can do on one leg. That's actually not too many. You know, unless you get lucky. No. If you're wrestling and you get lucky and you get them down when you hurt your leg, yeah. it's, it's it's kind of a it's a tough thing. Unless you know, unless you know, um, in a wheelchair playing wheelchair basketball or something like that. I don't know anything you can't do without standing up. Yeah, and one of the problems I had going in. Was they were interviewing, or they had Jen Brown in the locker room, so Liam McGeary, and he had said, you know, in those last fights, I was focused too much on what they were going to do. Now, tonight, I'm going to focus on me, and I'm going to come out the winner, this and that. And I, I was thinking, you know, 
anytime somebody says they're not going to focus on the other person, the other fighter, they're going to focus on themselves, and they're going to beat this streak, this losing streak, inevitably they lose. You just can't. That's one of the things you can't say. Don't ever say, I'm going to focus on me, not them, and expect to win. Because you're going to lose. You say that out loud in public, you're losing. It's kind of like that old saying in baseball. You know, when a guy's got to get when you got when a guy has a no hitter going or something like that, <laughs> don't say anything. Don't even bring, yeah, you just don't bring it up. That's just kind of like the uh, the golden man's rule in baseball. Yep. You just don't say anything because you're afraid you're going to jinx it. Well, that's yes. what these fighters do. They just come out. You know, I don't care who you are. I've seen this happen in boxing. I've seen it happen in MMA. They just come out trash talking, and they get throttled. They get their ass whooped. Sorry. Yes. And he got his ass whooped. I mean, I was waiting. I was actually waiting for that leg to break. Yeah, that's what I thought was going to happen. He does not have a lot of muscle on those legs, as you could tell. <laughs> no, he's a I real mean, tall, thin guy. Yeah, what I know he's fighting. I mean, what was his weight? Two, two oh five. He's two oh five. Yeah. Yeah, but he stands at six foot three. I mean, he looked like a toothpick. I think he's six foot five or something. He's tall. Oh, whatever it is. Well, whatever he is, he looked like a toothpick. Yeah, six six. He's six foot six. Six foot six, weighing two oh five. He, you know, for him to carry the proper weight, he should be weighing it at two fifty plus. Well, he now let's granted. Now that two oh five is cut, so he's he's got to be walking around at two twenty five at least. Yeah, but he looked like a toothpick. He didn't even yeah, he didn't legs. even look. His legs just looked like chicken legs. Yeah. And no, the way so that he was, was good, taking those leg kicks. Yeah, yeah. So that was two good fights to start the card with, and then we came to. Heather Hardy then versus we have, Anna Hulotin. Now, I what did you think of that thing? I didn't oh, you're lucky. It out. You're lucky. Out. And by what I saw, I mean, it looked like, I mean, it looked like it was a war by the way those two it, women looked at the end of it. It was absolutely not a war. It was uh, absolutely a, a ugly fight. Now, that being said, one of the stranger parts about it was Heather Hardy got dinged for coming in overweight. The fight was at 125. She came in at 126 and a quarter. That was her first weigh-in attempt. Now, they give you a pound, so she was a quarter pound over. They didn't even give her the opportunity to take off her bikini and weigh in without her bikini on, which would have been a quarter pound, I'm sure. There's no way. Pretty, yeah. A bikini has got to be a quarter pound. Just like any guy, if you come in a little bit overweight, they automatically strip off whatever they're wearing and put the towel up. Well, the commissioner of the Mohegan Sun tribe said, well, you know what? I saw her standing there, and she didn't look good. And out of concern for the fighter, I said, no more. You can't can't cut weight. You, You can't take off your bikini. I'm not letting you do anything. You're overweight. You have to pay the fine. That is a bunch of bullshit because she did not look that bad. Yeah, she said she's not going to protest it, but she lost however much she lost a portion of her salary to Ulatin because Anna, 
and the Mohegan Sun took whatever they take. I'm sure they got their take out of it. It was complete bullshit, and that should definitely never be. I, I'm telling you, Bellator should really, really, really look into not going back there because that is wrong. There's no way that guy that is not a medical doctor should be able to tell a fighter, listen, I, as an athletic commissioner, all I'm doing is checking the weight. Don't think you should go back and even be able to pull up. He said, I don't even think she should be able to get the opportunity to have the towels put up. I'm not going to have her stripped naked like anybody would fucking see anything. She would have weighed in on, on point had she taken off whatever she was wearing. Nobody would have seen anything, just like always. We've done this this thing a million times, uh, yep. and it would have been fine. But, no, he took it in his own hands and decided she's well enough to go get into a fucking three-round fight in 24 hours, but not to spend five more minutes out here. That's wrong. Now, I mean, I've seen Chris Cyborg have to do the same thing after yeah. cutting 30-plus pounds take off the bikini. She looks skin and bones as it is. Can barely uh-huh. walk off the uh walk off the podium after after the weigh in. And the fight still goes on. Yeah. Now granted this is UFC not Bellator, but yeah. still it It's ridiculous. This, I, mean, I don't want to get into back... our big No, no. We don't want to get into our big weight cutting discussion cuz everybody knows we are firmly against this shit. This is a horrible thing, and, and people are getting hurt. It's a stupid fucking, stupid process. This weight cutting is bullshit. Heather Hardy is, is fully to blame also. She's cutting a lot of weight, and she cut the wrong way, whatever had happened, and it was a bad weight cut. They need to, they need to fix this, and that's, weight cutting is just a terrible thing. I, well, you know, there's, there's only one way to fix this. Mm-hmm. In my eyes. I know you don't okay. want to get into this discussion, but we'll leave it at this. There's only one way to fix this weight, this weight cutting issue in my eyes. They need to add more yeah. weight class. I mean, that's not going to take, yeah, a certain weight class or two might have more competition. Yeah. But you add more weight classes, I think this is going to even the playing field. I really do. And I think it's going to be a good thing, especially for the health of these fighters. I can There's see no reason why. Of, uh, yeah, I can see, like in the UFC or everywhere, really, they have like 15 pounds between weight classes for the lower ones, 10 sometimes, like 125, 35, 45, 55, then 170, then 85. I can see cutting those in half, five pounds between weight classes and seven and a half pounds between weight classes. That adds a whole shit ton of weight classes and more titleists and everything, more champions. But... I don't know, man. It might entice somebody to drop down half a weight class, you know. You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, I don't care about the I don't care about them, you know, dropping down weight classes. But if they only have to go down 5 pounds to 5 to seven and a half pounds to 5 pounds whatever it is. They're not putting their life in danger. Well, look at look at That's Cyborg. He was fighting at 145, which was already a big cut. They put her down to 140, which was only five pounds, and she said she almost died. It, it, yeah. These people are taxing themselves as it is. You say five more pounds. Go down five more pounds. That makes it much more enticing to drop. Oh, let me try and push that last little bit out. 
I don't know. Yeah, but I don't you, know if that's the answer, but I, I, I don't, I don't, uh, I definitely don't 100 percent disagree with you either. I part of the answer. That that, but that's the only way I could think. But or they or they should just limit the limit the fighters. You can only cut X Y Z amount. And what? Yeah, and the only like way they can do that. You yeah. have yeah. a weigh in before your before your fight camp starts. Okay. You could only yeah. cut twenty pounds, fifteen pounds, whatever they put this on. This 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 will cut out that twenty five to thirty pound weight cut, which is it can't be good on the brain. No, I, you know what I would like to see is random weight, like uh, when Usada goes and gives people a random drug test. <clears throat> yeah, they need to have the UFC and, and any MMA organization. If the UFC starts it. A lot of these other ones will pick it up and weigh their guys. Okay, you weigh this much, motherfucker. You fight at one seventy five or one seventy, but you're walking around at two ten. That's not okay. You can't yeah. do that anymore. They no. need to put that kind of you thing do. in effect where they could tell what those guys are walking around at, saying, "No, you're not a healthy. You know, this is not a healthy weight cut. Forty pounds is too much." But but and another thing I, I was wanting to bring now that we're on this discussion is yeah also need to put in a regulation on how much weight you can actually you know rehydrate yourself to i mean it's not fair that you're going okay you're going to fight you're doing a fight at 145 but you rehydrate yourself to 170 i mean how much how fair is that yeah well that would come into play with the whole the whole limiting the weight cut thing because if you don't if they don't let a guy walk around at 210 and, and cut down to 170 and rehydrate the fuck out of himself, you know, they tried doing that when they, they banned the uh, IV afterwards. They, a lot of guys used to go in and get the IV the second they were done with the weight cut. They'd add a bunch of water that way, drink a bunch of water, and, and bulk up. They finally banned that, which was a good thing. And um, it, there's just too, it's too big a subject to get into right now. So why don't oh, we go yeah. on to that next Patricky. Uh, versus Campos, which was a good, you know, couple minutes. Why don't you talk about that? Well, I mean, there wasn't much to say about this fight. I mean, Patricky <laughs> Pitbull just came in and just dominated this fool. I mean, it, <laughs> that fight was over with before he even blinked an eye. Yeah. And I, you, you even got mad at me. Oh, I had a pause. I had a pause. You know, I didn't know you had a pause. And I... <laughs> Yeah, because you fucking told me what happened. God damn it. <laughs> I, well, you got to tell me when you pause a fight so I won't say anything. Well, obviously I'm talking on the phone, and I have the fight on pause. You don't hear it going in the background. I pause it. Okay, the main event, or this fight's coming on, whatever. It wasn't a long fight. I paused it, got some dinner, whatever, called you. And then, yo, did you see that Patricky win? Motherfucker, no, I didn't. Could have asked me if I saw the fight first. But... Regardless, it wasn't like it was a big uh, a big shock. It was a good fight, but you're right. It, it wasn't much. It went quick. Now for the main event. This is the weird part. The main event. Now, this was a fight sometime in the making because they had already fought years ago when they were both in the UFC, and Roy knocked Mitrione out in the first round. Mitrione came in on short notice. Obviously, he's gotten much better since. Roy has pretty much stayed the same. 
what did you there, – there was no – I mean, Mitrion, basically, he outstruck him for most of round one, got taken down near the end, but Roy didn't really do anything with the takedown. He didn't advance. He didn't throw too many blows. So, Mitrion won that round. It was a close round. Roy probably won round one, which is, I think, what happened. Mitrion dominated round two. Roy got him down, but only in the last 10 seconds or, what, 20 seconds or so? Mm-hmm. Mitrion dominated round two. Now, round three is where it kind of comes a little tricky. Okay? Matt's up two rounds to nothing. Round one was fairly close, but Matt got that round, right? Hmm. I think so. I, I, okay. I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I think Matt took – well, we know he took round two. But I, I'm in agreement with you where he – or yeah, round one. But I had going into the third – you know, I had um, going into the third round. Going into the third, I had Metrion up two zero. Yeah. Now, the round one was close. It wasn't that close. So Metrion completely dominated the stand-up game. Roy got a takedown with a couple of minutes left, maybe. I think it was under two minutes. <laughs> Excuse me. But nothing really happened with the takedown. Matt definitely landed the better punches and the harder punches. So I gave him that round, but it was it was kind of close. It was a good round, though. Don't get me wrong. Good fight all around. I mean, Roy tried a couple takedowns, got totally stuffed, then caught that one near the end. But round three, Roy totally dominated position-wise. He got him down, got him in a crucifix. Um, at one point, Matt got back up for about five seconds, but Roy took him down again. But But did he really land any telling punches? Did he do any damage? Did Mitrion at any point look like he was in any t- kind of trouble or even even close to stopping? What do you think? <laughs> no, not at all. And that's and I know where you're going with this. Yes, Big Country did dominate round three. Yeah. But how a judge can actually give Nelson a ten eight round is beyond me. I could have understood it. I totally would understand it because he dominated position. If Roy had put more effort or even attempted a couple of submissions, if he had, if his ground and pound had been so much that they almost had to stop the fight. (coughs) Excuse me, man. If the referee had had to tell Matt to get moving, you know when they tell you to get moving when they're about to stop the fight? The referee was never going to stop that fight. Matt was never in any danger of getting hurt. He was defenseless. He was in a crucifix, and Roy was pitter-patting him. He didn't put any power into it. He was already exhausted. They both for that round. I just think Roy lost himself that fight and any chance to win it by not going for a finish. He didn't try and finish the fight. He put him in a bad position and, and just coasted. He could have put him in. He could have ended that fight and at least got himself well. a round four, like they said. Had they decided Roy had a 10-8 round, had one other judge agree the 10-8, they would have gone on to round four, and we could yeah. have seen something better. Yeah, which which would have been something they have we haven't seen in a while where they go extra rounds. Yeah. Because it's a complete time. But the one thing I, I would like to say about that is Matt Mitrion's corner immediately cut his gloves off. Had they had to go to a round four, 
Mitrion would have been disqualified. He would have lost. Yep. I saw that. Now, yeah. to consideration, Roy Nelson's age, I mean, he's our age. He's 41 years old. And how mm-hmm. he still can compete at that age blows me away. But he reminds but cardio, me of George Foreman. You got to admit, though, oh, he cardio looks like garbage. He, I yeah. mean, he looks like garbage. Don't get me wrong. But he reminds me of a no, George no, no, you Foreman. Think, I mean, yeah, you saying that, that is the perfect analogy because he's tough. He, you know, he doesn't look like your typical fighter, but he's tough. He's not big like George, but he throws a hell of a punch, and, and he's a very, he's a very deceptively athletic guy. No, 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 he is. I'm not saying nothing. Just because he, um, his physique did not look all that great, but you're dealing with yeah. a with a very large human being. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he. He, um, he was in great shape. It's just his body looked like, you know, looked like George Foreman. But he he's yep. always in the fight because you've got that – he could have that one haymaker that will put you to sleep. Yes. He can drop that hammer on you at any – For sure. So that was a good – That's why I card. say – I really – you know, I really enjoyed that card. I thought it was a fun uh, – Chael Sonnen, as an announcer, I thought he was very good. I really like him behind the desk. So, I mean, no, honestly, I mean, for for a fight that's free, that you don't have to pay nothing for, I I yeah. say a lot. I say this a lot of times about the UFC Fight Night card. A lot of times, the those those free cards are a lot better than what you pay seventy bucks for. Yeah, definitely. And, and they had some. It was good. It was a fun card. Um, that, like I say, the one snoozer was Heather Hardy and Anna Yulotin, and it wasn't that bad. Those ladies just only had, what, five, seven, eight fights? What, seven fights between them. It's not like they were experienced veterans, you know? So it wasn't it wasn't the end of the world. It just it wasn't the best fight I've ever seen, but it was, it was, it was far from what Nate Quarry and uh, Caleb Starn, I'll tell you that. Yep talk about this UFC fight. Fight night 126. It was a good card. Like you said, it was another good one. You didn't you didn't see it cuz your power went out. Um yep. But it was a, it was a good card. The prelims were nuts. They were literally nuts. Like I said, the first fight, Lucy Pudilova versus Sarah Marias. I think Sarah got screwed on that one because of that stand up. That totally changed all of round 1. Sarah dominated that round until they stood him up. The fucking ref stood her up as she was dominating her on the ground. Instantly stood her up. The second the second she stopped throwing punches, oh, stand it up. No warning, no nothing. It was a bunch of bullshit. I was I was very, very upset by that one. Um, she lost a unanimous decision. But after that, and regardless of the loss, that was a great fight. That was a really exciting fight. We go on to Sanchez versus Sanchez, which was Roberto and Joby. Um, Roberto beat him, and that was a rear naked choke. Didn't get much of a fight there. It was a minute and a half, or a minute 50. It just it started and was over, basically. Then we got Jeff Neal versus Brian Camozzi. Not Chris, his younger brother, Brian. That ended in a rear naked choke, two minutes and 48 seconds. So we got almost a minute more in that fight. That was kind of a good back-and-forth fight. 
a, a little bit of everything there, and then a choke. Then we got the main event of the prelims. Diego Ferreira versus Jared Gordon. That was a knockout in, in under two minutes. So the prelims started and finished. <laughs> they, they were just quick. Now, the main card, we got to see one of your favorite up-and-coming fighters, uh, Sage Northcutt. You like this guy, don't you, Jason? Yes, I do. Why do you like him so much? I just I, – I, I like his style. It's – I mean, there's just no other way around it. I just like the way he fights. Just, you know, well, I – Sage is like the boy band of the UFC. A lot of the girls like him. Not so much the hardcore fan base. <clears throat> not saying you're a girl. I'm just saying. He's like the boy band. So he comes into this fight. He's training full-time out of Team Alpha Male. He looks, to me, to be honest, he looks like a really, really good front runner. But the second there's some adversity, the guy doesn't really know what to do. He, doesn't, he does not seem to have the heart of a fighter. He's very good. He's very athletic. He's very big. He's like six foot tall fighting 155. <clears throat> but he, went, he got dropped a couple times by a guy that really wasn't fast or athletic or anything. The guy just had power. And Sage, as soon as he gets touched, he immediately goes for a takedown, doesn't want any part of that, and he kind of grinded out his decision. But it, it's just it's weird watching this guy that's got so much talent but doesn't seem to have the heart. You know, when he fought Mickey Gall, he was doing great, doing great. The second he got put on his back, he had no idea what to do, and Mickey Gall barely got the arm bar and Sage was tapping out. It just... <clears throat> He seems like it's a little too much too soon for this guy. He's really young still. Like you said, I know you like him. He's a good prospect. I think he needs time to grow. I think they're still pushing yep. him a little too fast. Yeah. So the next fight, Brandon Davis and Steven Peterson. That was a decision. Brandon won. Not, not the most exciting thing you'll ever see. Not the worst fight you'll ever see. Um, this next one, UFC Newcomer. This is kind of funny. They brought in a newcomer, this guy, Curtis Millender. Curtis, Curtis Millender. He's got what? But he's a UFC newcomer versus Thiago Alves. He's got like 40 fights. And, man, Curtis put it on him, dude. Round one, Curtis almost had him knocked out and actually put his arms up, thought he won. And Thiago fought back. And that was a great show of guts by Thiago, which is something – your guy needs to learn. Sage needs to understand that. You know, he's got to show those guts uh, once in a while. Not all the time. You don't want to make a you don't want to make a living on your toughness like Roy Nelson. But it has yep. to be there when you need it. Now, round two came out. He did Curtis caught him with it looked at first when I was watching, it looked like he threw a kick, a head kick, but it was a knee. He hit him standing up just like he threw a kick with a knee. It was a beautiful standing knee. Now, Tiago was full height when he hit the knee. He wasn't like he was bent over. He threw that knee up almost six feet in the air. And, well, five foot, whatever Tiago is, five nine or something. Crazy good man. Curtis looked terrific. Um, then we got James Vick versus Francisco Trinaldo. <clears throat> James dominated that fight, I thought. He did. He won 29-28, but it was a good fight. James is just huge. Francisco came – it's way tougher than I thought. I didn't think he'd make it out of that one round. <clears throat> It was a good fight. That was a great fight to watch right there. 
Um, then we got the Black Beast, Derek Lewis versus Marcin Tibera. And that was stupid. When he got taken down, he just kind of laid there. Uh, Marcin actually mounted him a couple times. Derek got out once or twice. <clears throat> they were both just huffing and puffing. It was just two big guys going at it. It wasn't very exciting to me. It's it just, I don't know. It's just, it's hard to watch guys that are so obviously gassed out and, and can't fight the 15 minutes at all. You know what I'm saying? Yep. No, I, I mean, you, you see it all the time where, you know, it's, they just get, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, big name fighters in the UFC that we know after about a round and a half to two rounds, if you can withstand what they bring at you, they will, they're going to tire out and you can have your way with them. If you can withstand what they're going to, you know, Amanda Nunes is the perfect example. If you can withstand her barrage for about a round and a half, you will beat her. She will tire out. As long as she's not pitter padding like she did against um, Valentina and not engaging in anything. Yes. I well, I think I think Valentina just took her completely out of her game, and Nunes just didn't even know what to do. Well, that's because after that fight, fight she knew. Re- yeah, she well, knew that, she wasn't going to be able to beat her. That fight reminded me a lot of a Floyd Mayweather. Is that yes? Floyd Mayweather just does just enough to win. Now, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's it's boring fighting, but he is using his head. He's not going to get hit, and he's just going to go in and dominate a little bit and then get back out. I mean, everyone calls Floyd a runner, but, I mean, I I call him a runner. I don't like watching his fights for boring, but I understand why he does it. He he wasn't like that until he got up there in age. Floyd's in his 40s. Yeah. So, I mean, I understand it, but those, those fights are just boring to me. Yeah, I understand that. <clears throat> I mean, at least, just, you know, it, with McGregor watch, Mayweather fight, McGregor <laughs> no, it's tough to rock, uh, it, it, It's tough watching professional athletes not be able to fight for 15 minutes. It, I mean, it's tough because you see these guys, they're getting paid to go out and spend 15 minutes in the cage. You know, whether it stops early or not, it doesn't matter. They should be able to fight for 15 minutes, not gas out by before the end of the second round. And there's still a lot of guys that are that way. And that brings us to the main event. Now, the main event, going into it, Yancey is on a three-fight win streak. Cerrone is on a three-fight losing streak. That right there tells you, hey, wait a minute. That doesn't sound like a fair matchup. But then you look at some of the fights that Cerrone's lost. A very, very close one to Robbie Lawler. You know, he lost a big old fucker, eighth guy, in Darren Till. Um, he, he's lost some very good, very close fights. And he's fought the best fighters there are, period. He's fought and beaten a lot of very, very good fighters. And Yancey is coming up off, out of uh, the lightweight division, just like Cowboy. But he hasn't fought the level of competition Cerrone has. So I was thinking, you know... I think I think Cowboy's going to win this fight, and it was they were trading very very good in that round. The first round, it was a lot of back and forth. 
Um, very, very good. Very even fight. But Cowboy just clobbered him right at the end of the round. Just completely clobbered him. I mean, Yancey fell down, spun around, fell down, couldn't stand up. And they called it off. And it was a good, it was a good stoppage. Uh, two seconds left in the round, so I maybe, maybe could have gone another round, but he's just going to get beat up more. But it was a, that was a cool main event, but it also got me thinking. Why would they match up a guy on a three-fight losing streak to a guy with a three-fight win streak? Why do you think that is, Jason? Well, you, I mean, you know the UFC. They're, it's, it, 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 it's a money fight. Mm-hmm. We know UFC doesn't go on rankings because if it did, Cerrone didn't deserve this fight. Fight losing streak? No. No, that's what I mean. So it it's got a lot to do with maybe um, I'm it, I, I'm thinking it's got to be all about money. It it's a fight that people wanted to see, and that's what they're going to give their fans. I don't care if it's a if yeah. it's a fight night or if it's a pay per view card. They're going to give a fight what the the fans want to see, and that yeah. kind of it, it sucks for the guys that are out there battling their ass off, winning their fights like they should, and stepping mm-hmm. up in a rank that never exists. Yeah, I mean, you've been watching UFC for how many years now? You got me into it. I want to say it was UFC two or three. You brought over the video tapes and we were watching it in our living room. 24 years. 24 years. And I can't remember the what UFC fight it was. It might have been UFC 1, 2, 3, or 4. Right around, right around somewhere in there. I don't think it was UFC 1. It might have been 2, 3, or 4. Yeah. And you actually got my dad. My dad goes, wow, holy crap, this shit's violent. It's a lot more interesting than boxing. <laughs> yeah, it is. But you would not see a guy like a Hoist Gracie in the UFC anymore. Dana White will not let that happen because it's boring. Even though it's very – even though that's what MMA is all about. Hoist Gracie – Yeah, you you have to have more than one skill nowadays. I know, but – then this isn't really what you want to call you. This isn't what you want to call MMA anymore. Then, not not in the no. UFC ring. No. What happened here? Cerrone comes in, moves up to welterweight, and he immediately gets what four wins in a row. He wins four very impressive wins. Uh, one submission against that cowboy Oliveira, and then three knockouts against better competition each time. And then he goes up against Jorge Masvidal. Masvidal just completely crushes him, knocks him out. Then he gets a bigger fight in Robbie Lawler, which is un- kind of understandable because Lawler was coming off a loss. Cowboy's coming off a loss. Okay, I understand that, right? He loses a close decision to Robbie Lawler in a very good fight. Then he gets another big uh, undefeated fighter. Cerrone's coming in on two straight losses. He gets Darren Till. Now he gets a guy on, and he gets knocked out on three fight win streak. And I just see this as the UFC throwing guys at him. They're going to give Cowboy 
whoever they want to think that he can beat. I think this was a gimme fight. They said, you know what, we need Cowboy to get a win here so we can make more money off him on a bigger fight. And they gave it to him. They made it seem like they were giving him a guy that was jumping up the rankings. But let's be honest, Yancey Medeiros barely beat Cowboy Oliveira. That was, a, that was a great fight, don't get me wrong. But there wasn't a lot of skill there. Okay, Yancey got knocked down three, four times, five times. And Oliveira got completely worked by Cowboy. Cowboy just completely dominated that guy. And it was only a year or two ago. So there was not much hope in my my head for this fight. I didn't think this was going to be all that great. Well, and then who ended up eventually winning this fight? Cowboy. Oh, he actually – Remember when I said that player, Cowboy knocked him out? About five minutes ago. At least he – yeah, he uh, – well, at least he, you know, he stopped his three-fight uh, his three fight losing streak. Yeah, but I thought it was just a shit fight. I mean, that's not a fight to put together, especially for a main event. I, just, I don't like yeah. the way the matchmaking is there. Um, that's just me, maybe. I don't know if maybe Cowboy fans feel differently. Not that I don't like the Cowboy, but uh, I, I just didn't see that. I didn't like that. So – before we go, let's talk a little bit about next weekend's fight because this is a pretty big fight card, right? So what fight is it? So I, let me bring up the card. Okay, next weekend, the UFC on Fox 28. This is a pretty cool card, I think. Jeremy Stevens versus Jota Emmett is going to main event. Now, we all know Jeremy Stevens, little heathen. He just beat Duhoy Choi by a knockout. Josh Emmett also just knocked out Ricardo Lamas. Um, although Emmett did come in quite a bit overweight, five or six pounds, I think. Um, side note to that is he took that fight on very short notice also. So how do you feel about that? A guy comes well, in overweight just like – well, just like well, – seven. I, hold on. Is, no, no, hold on. Let me finish. Well, no, well I want to bring up the card. Is this, a, is this a fight night or is this a pay-per-view card? It's the fight night 26, like I just said. Or 28. Oh, that'd be No, fight night 28. Damn it, I just said it three times. Oh, fight. Oh, oh okay. Hold up. Fight night now. 28. How do you feel about this fight? Emmett coming in. A guy comes in overweight. Way overweight. Five pounds. But he took that fight on short notice. Just like Joel Romero did last weekend versus Luke Rockhold. How do you feel about it? Is that something that you would be very <clears throat> offended by as a fighter to where you'd almost say, no, I'm not fighting that guy? Or is that something where you say, well, he did take this fight on short notice to give me the chance to fight, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it anyway. What do you think you would feel like at that moment? Well, it's kind of a catch-22. I mean, you can feel um, grateful that they're giving you a fight, even though it is on short notice. Uh-huh. And and you go out and do the best you can do on short notice or you could say, Fuck you, UFC for doing what you're doing mm-hmm. but I'll take the fight anyway. I mean it's these fighters that come in on this short notice, it it it's it that ne- typically it never ends well. It did those weeks, I mean, you know. 
Yoel ended up getting a knockout, a big knockout over Luke Rockhold. And Emmett got a huge knockout over Ricardo Lana. Now, in my opinion, if I'm fighting and I got a guy that stepped up on a couple of weeks' notice, said, yeah, I'll take the fight, and he didn't make weight by a little bit, I would say, you know what, he took it on short notice, don't care. Emmett missed by five pounds, I believe, which, you know, that's kind of borderline. It's like, well, that's a lot of weight. If you knew you were going to be that far overweight, you shouldn't have took the fight. But he's still taking it on short notice against a dangerous opponent. I understand that. Now, if I'm training for eight weeks, my, my opponent trained for eight weeks and came in that far overweight, I would, I would 100% say, you know what, that, no, I'm not having that fight. That dude did not honor his contract. Uh, he's fucking out. I'm not fighting that fucker. Or you could look at it in a different aspect. Knowing you're going to get more prize money, taking a fight that a guy has, you know, come in overweight, he couldn't, you know, he couldn't make weight. Um, it can, it, 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 it can go both ways. Yeah. You get a little bit more I money. Mean, you get 20% of their show purse, which could be a couple thousand dollars. But it don't matter. I mean, that's, that's more money than you were going to make out of that fight regardless. And what are you going to do when you're taking on a guy that barely cut weight? Say you're fighting at 145. Your guy comes in at 150, means he's rehydrated up to 170. You're coming in, you made weight at 145, means you're rehydrating. You might be 155, 160. You're giving a 10-pound advantage to this guy. And not a hard weight cut. What do you think? I mean, that's a tough decision. I mean, we've yeah. seen fighters do this over and over again, where they'll just yeah. say, yeah, let, let let the fight go on. And, but I, you know, and the guy that doesn't cut weight ends up winning, or the guy that doesn't cut weight properly ends up losing. I mean, it, you just don't know how it's going to go until the fight's played out. Yep. But that's cool. It, it, it is a tough call, but it's instead of like ruining a card like UFC is, you know, these UFC fighters have done. Mm-hmm. Um, just let the card stand and just give the people what they want. Because yeah. I mean, honestly, it's all—it's really—it's got to be all about the fans. The fans are paying money to, yeah. to see this. Yeah. So. I mean, if it was me, okay, these fans are already here in the stands. Now, granted, this is—I'm assuming this is a this is a free fight. It's not a pay-per-view fight. Yes, it's a free one. Yeah. So now that would now that brings up another that brings up another thing. Okay, if this was a pay-per-view fight, and you're giving up your pay-per-view money. To to to, uh, to take this fight, knowing that the guy's overweight. Well, now you're coughing up some money. Yes. Yeah. So, but if it's a free fight, I mean, they they can't be getting that much. I mean, because there's well, there's no pay per view. Yeah, they they don't get the points, but the points te- typically only go to the main event and or the champions that are on the pay per view. Everybody doesn't get a pay per view point revenue. Only certain no, fighters, I, I like saying, I said. And, and they don't make more on pay-per-views than they do on the, the Fox Sports cards. 
Um, I might be bent to differ on that one because let's say you're a main event on a pay-per-view card. And a the guy... main event is different, yes. I just said that. The main event is different. Oh. Okay. Okay, never mind. I was I was just going to throw that out there because, I mean, let's say you're the main event and the guy comes in overweight. Yeah, yeah. I would take that fight all day long. Okay. Just okay, so we're going to get onto the card. Now, we've got a couple minutes left, so let's talk a little bit about that card. Okay, Jeremy Stevens versus Josh Emmett. Josh is a good wrestler, a very good wrestler, and Stevens is a very, very big puncher. Josh, solid punches. Like, very, very good power also. Who do you pick on that one? Mm, that's tough on the call. Um, I'll take Stevens. Okay, more experience? Yeah, I'll take the experience, yeah. Okay. Um, well, you know me. I kind of fell in love with Jessica Andrade of, of quite a few fights ago. Yeah. Now, I think Tisha Torres is a better fighter, but I'm going to take the upset in this, and I'm going to go Andrade. I don't think that's an upset, though. I, I would guess Tisha is the underdog, in my opinion. I'm, I'm going with Tisha. I think she's probably the underdog, though. But I but think good Tisha's fight. a better that's fighter. A great fight. I think Tisha has a little bit more. She's definitely more well-rounded. She doesn't have the power, obviously, which hardly anybody does. But that's going to be a fun one. That's a that's a good fight. I wish that was. I actually wish that one was the five rounder. To be honest with you. Um, Alir Latifi versus OSP. Oven Saint Peru. What do you think? Fighters again. Alir Latifi versus Oven Saint Peru. I don't know much about these fighters. Um, I can't even bring up the fight card on this, to even look at records or who they have fought in the past. But um, give me a little, uh, give me a refresher course on these two fighters. <laughs> Latifi, he's a pretty good power power puncher um, out, out of uh, Europe. Big old legs on that son bitch, but. You know, he, I don't think he's on Oven St. Peru's level. I think he's just going to get knocked out. I really do. Um, Max Griffin versus Mike Perry. I'll, I'll go Perry. Perry's badass. I know. Yeah, I like that Perry, yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Max Griffin's good, but I think uh, I think Perry's got it. And then on I'm, the prelim I'm going to call... I'm going to call in, in in that fight. I'm going to call Perry a second round knockout. Okay. On the prelims, we got Henan Burrell versus Brian Kelleher. Hmm. I'll, I'll take Kelleher in that fight. Really? Mm-hmm. That's I'll a that's a good pick. Yeah, that's a I'll big upset. upset. I'm going Hennon. Hennon Burrell is my pick. Um, next fight, we got Sarah McMahon versus Marion Renault. I'm going to take McMahon. 
Yeah, I see that as a 100% McMahon there. Marion's tough. I like her. I just I think Sarah's going to take a decision. Well, unanimous decision for her. Um, I've bet against McMahon enough, and <laughs> she's always fuck. Oh yeah, I mean, but here's a good. She one. actually here's a fun one. Well, what's that? Going back to that McMahon fight, I had mm-hmm. actually. I I want to say I don't know if it was a no. I, I want to say it was like two or three fights ago. I can't remember who she was fighting, but it, she was fighting an up-and-comer. Remember the name of the fighter. Nah. And I swore, I swore to God because I watched this. I, I, I watched the the female fighter, the fight before she fought McMahon. Yeah. I'm like, there's no way McMahon can withstand this type of uh, this type of punishment. And she can, and McMahon just took her completely out of her game. And dominate. I mean, just dominated the fight. It was just. It wasn't even close. Yeah, I mean, man's good. You know, she's an Olympic medalist in wrestling. She's, she's got so many tools, and I just don't understand why she hasn't won a title yet. But we we can talk about her at some other point. But yeah, she is. We'll talk about her next weekend. Uh, McMahon is just an amazing fighter. Um, this can, next can you remember? Who, but can you remember what? who she fought? That fight I was talking about. Not off the top of my them. head, no. I can't. But you, you know, um, I remember we were talking about her. We talked, yeah, I, I'm sure I would. I'll you, have to go back and look at her record. But what? You took McMahon in this fight. Yeah. Um, and Angela Hill, hold on. We got, a, we got a couple minutes. We got like a minute left, Jason. Angela Hill versus Marina Morose. I'll take Morose all day long. Yeah, I like Morose, but I'm thinking Hill's going to win. I think Hill's going to take yeah. that one. Now, here's another. Here's a great one. Alan Joban versus Ben Saunders. Ben Saunders. Yeah. That's a good fight. I got I got Ben as well. I'm I'm going Ben. No, yeah. this is going to be a great card, especially for um now let our listeners know where they can catch this fight at. This is all on the UFC Fight Pass, and then it goes to Fox Sport or Fox. So the main card is on Fox, not. Fox okay, so Sport I don't have UFC like Fight that? Pass. I'm only going to be able to watch it on 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 on. I want to say two nineteen or two twenty. No, no, no. It's on Fox. Group. Yeah. So you go if you don't have Fight Pass, you just miss out on the the early card, which is pretty good too. You know, you got Ronnie Yaya, Sam Alvey, Gilbert Burns. There's some good fighters there. And but then you'll get to see the prelims and everything on Fox. And next week we're gonna obviously have we're gonna come back next week. We got a full two hour show to talk about that. The big there's a there's a Bellator card. There's a lot going on this next week that we're gonna be able to talk about this weekend anyway. And the the upcoming pay per view in March with Cyborg versus Kuniskaya, how that all came to be we got a ton to talk about. And for that, thank you very much. And I will talk to you next week. Jason, close the show. All right. Everyone have a great, uh, have a great week, and we will talk to you on Monday.